What is going on, everybody? This is your host of the Colin Thompson Show. I hope everyone had an awesome weekend. We are coming to you live here from training camp. At least I am, August 7th, 2020. Jack and Justin were here last week, which was so cool for us here at Not For Long Media. Like I said, and I echo those remarks again this week, it was just an awesome thing having these two guys down. They were true professionals. They made some awesome content. We've been displaying some of it this past week. Uh, on Not For Long Media, on our channels of the Colin Thompson Show, on my personal profiles as well. So just an awesome job by you two. First off, thank you guys for being here. We have more episodes to come uh, with great Panther players, more fun and you know funny stories to come out of it. Again, can't thank you two for coming down uh, enough. I, I always bury the lead and I forget to talk about who we have coming on this week. We have your commander's quarterback, the Washington Commanders quarterback, Taylor Heineke, joining us this week. We're really excited to have Taylor on. Him and I are both XFL alumni. He barely played, if it, if he played at all. I don't think he played at all in the XFL. Uh, and he came on the show a couple of weeks ago, pre-camp. Uh, these two gentlemen joined me as well in the interview. So I figured we'd have Justin and Jack back in the house today to talk a, bit, a little bit about the Taylor Heineke interview. But before we do, I want to talk about our friends over the original Fudge Kitchen. We did some awesome stuff in front of Fudge Kitchen. So shout out to our team, Jay Brad and Rossi that were there down at the Jersey Shore, you know, doing the big J journalism, the tough questions. I thought the questions were a little easy, Jack and Justin. I'll be I'll be honest. You know, we were giving away money, a dollar for easy questions, five dollar for, you know, a harder question, 20 bucks. So, you know, next time I'm going to challenge our team to maybe pump out a little bit harder question. And I'll say this, our fans around the original Fudge Kitchen, Jersey Shore are really smart football fans. So I, I think we underestimated, but we don't underestimate the fudge and sweet treats at the original Fudge Kitchen. They ship fudge and sweet treats across the country, fudgekitchens.com. They're the best in the business. It is unbelievable, especially to ship it, the quality, it, it lasts forever, weeks, and how creamy and just savory the flavors are. So check out our friends at fudgekitchens.com. They ship it across the country. I'm going to surprise the tight ends. Some of them may be in here right now. We have a couple of viewers right now with uh, some fudge here at the end of training camp and, and the rest of, of our team down here uh, with some fudge. So there's nothing better to gift somebody than original fudge kitchen fudge, fudgekitchens.com, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. All right. So I'm going to send it over to Justin first. Justin, you are a Washington, Washington Commanders supporter. You're a Colts fan. You, you touch a lot of different fan bases, which I respect. Some people don't respect that. Some people say you got to be from as Jack just rips his water and the audio explodes. Thank you, Jack. Um, very professional of you. So, uh, you know, you, you touch a lot of fan bases. You're like a BYU fan. You're an Oklahoma fan. Uh, you're like a local guy, a Maryland Terps fan. So, like, talk to me how you're, you're, you're talk to me about your fandom, what level it's at for the Washington Commanders, or you're just a giant Taylor Heineke fan. So I'll be honest, you're right. I, I'm Colts are my number one, and I do get a lot of crap from people that, you know, when I tell them all the teams I'm supporter, because like I have like my number one's the Colts, and I'll support the Commanders, and I'll, I'll support the Ravens to a certain extent, my BFF, John Harbaugh. Um, but if I, I mean, if I had to power rank them football wise, it'd probably be Colts, then Commanders, number two. Like, you know, being in the DMV area, watching local like Fox 45 or whatever, you, you get to watch a lot of Commanders games. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to do that. So that's kind of how it started was just, you know, growing up watching them on TV. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's a, that's a fan base that hasn't had a lot to cheer for in, in, in recent years. Um, you know, so I, I do try to, I, I don't want to, I want to pick my spots and I, I don't want to be just like a fair weather guy. I want to be in there when they're losing. I'll be in there when they're winning. Um, uh, but you're right. Taylor Heineke, our guest this week. Uh, like I watched that playoff game when he almost beat Tom Brady. And I was like, this is my guy. I, I had heard of him in the XFL being an XFL guy. Shout out, uh, St. Louis battle Hawks. Um, so yeah, it's just, I, that's why I really wanted them to have him on this podcast because I knew that you guys would connect instantly over your, you know, your, your shared journey of the XFL to the NFL, just grinding. So, um, yeah, really lucky to have him on this week. Yeah, it was great having him on. He, he's an awesome guy. We had him on for a full hour and he was just, he kept it loose. He kept it light. Jack, what'd you like about the interview? I thought, like you said, he was very genuine. He kept a lot, like he seemed like a lot of these guys, like all of our football guests have been great, but like you kind of mentioned before on your other episodes and stuff, like guys can be very PR when it comes to things and they stay within their bounds. Taylor, I mean, he's great. He's just natural at it. He's just naturally funny. He's just a good talker. I mean, some of the stories that he shared that some people probably haven't heard before that we talk about that I won't dis- disclose until the show is released about Minnesota, New England, his time in Washington. I mean, it's just the stories he had were truly incredible. And I could definitely see a career for him in this industry if he wants it after his. Oh, for sure. Over. He's got a great story. It's a great, it's a great point by you, Jack. He's got a great story. You know, he's got paid in this league too for like crazy, like from where he was to where he went to now starting in a playoff game to, you know, going through all the ranks with Minnesota. We go through his whole career, which is pretty cool. Again, we had him for a full hour, which is really fun for us. Shout out to our friends over at Psalm Sleep, guys. I wonder if Taylor uses Psalm Sleep. Because this is a product that I absolutely swear by. It's a lot of products out there in the world that we, you know, have handed to us as professional athletes. Hey, give it a try. Give it a try. Give it a try. This is the greatest thing I've ever put my hands on, especially when it comes to sleep. And that's no BS. Like I sleep like a rock. I have no grogginess in the morning. It's changed my life professionally. It's helped me become a better athlete, better person. I go to bed earlier. I wake up more spry. I just feel better. Get some sleep. Use promo code Colin or any of the promo codes that all of our podcasts have. Mm-hmm. Our whole media network have their own separate ones. So use promo code Colin or BATS or uh, BWF for Bourbon with Friends or G's for our G's, whatever that may be. But check out our friends at Get Some Sleep. It is the best product, all natural, easy to bed, rise in the morning, not groggy. It's the best sleep product on the market, best I've ever touched. Um, they throw everything at us. Trust me, guys. So check out our friends at Get Some Sleep. Okay. So there's lots to talk about here. Jack, that's something to bring up about these guardian caps that we're wearing for training camp practices. So there's been a lot of talk across the league, fans. The introduction of guardian caps being mandatory for interior players starting this training camp. There's been a lot of controversy. Some players have been very out of, we don't like this. It just messes up practice. Some players are just very... Like doesn't matter to them in the slightest. At the end of the day, I think it's great for the NFL. Helps reduce concussions. To me, it doesn't seem like it affects much. That's why I was curious for your con. What is your opinion having to use the Guardian caps at practice every day? Are you pro, anti? What is your stance on the Guardian cap? I am 100% pro Guardian cap. In the world we live in today, where there's more science, there's more knowledge, you know, sadly, a player passes away and, and they use their brain to, to see, you know, what's maybe going on in there. And you're seeing a lot of CTE, right? It's no surprise. We I sign up for this game. I know the risk with this game. 
So anything to protect us, especially in practice for the little bump, the little knock, you know, sometimes a little goes a long way with the concussion and the head stuff. So to avoid the little bump or, you know, when you bump heads with a teammate and you don't really mean to or whatever that may be, whether it's the most violent training camp practice or it's an in-season practice, you're going through a drill and maybe something just goes a little awry. Now you're protected even more. And okay, what, it looks a little goofy for a picture, but at the end of the day, I'll be wearing it all season long in practice, and that's an option. I think they come off after the second preseason game um, for guys. But I think it's a fantastic thing that the NFL has done. I think the NFL does a great job of listening to what's going on, seeing data constantly evolving. Okay, we know there's an issue. Not an issue, but we know that there's injury risk in this game. All the players sign up for it, 100% injury rate. But here's a great way to protect our players a little bit more. If it gets it 10%, 20%, 30% better, I think every player would say, sure, let me wear it because I don't notice it in practice. I don't feel the difference. I enjoy it. So, and really talking to a lot of guys on the team, they enjoy it too. I haven't heard really anybody complaining about it uh, in our organization. So it's a great point by you, Jack. Uh, Justin, you know, you're involved in a lot of baseball stuff with Breaking Bats, our other podcast with Brian O'Grady. What are some of the issues that, that, that you see in baseball health-wise? Like guys get hit in the head, guys get hit in the face, you know, could you see his baseball adapted some of their helmets over the years? I think they have. Um, I mean, def- there are a lot of guys that have definitely moved to like the more expanded guard around the mouth area. I think John Carlos Stanton was the first one when he got hit in the, like it busted his face up. So now guys kind of have that shield that kind of covers most of their face. Um, I-, I think back also when you're talking about that, some pitchers like you know, they've worn the the baseball caps themselves that look kind of look goofy, but they have a little more padding in them. I'm not sure if anybody still actively wears those, but that, that was a conversation a couple years ago when somebody got hit in the head and then he came back whenever it was and he had a, a padded hat um, that looked like twice the size of a regular baseball hat. So um, I, I don't know what, you know, kind of the momentum is on that, but uh, you know, you touched on the only question I would have with the guardian hat is like, if it affects like you're running, like, do you feel it like heavier or anything? But it sounds like it doesn't, it doesn't even notice it at all. I don't. I don't. It's amazing the technology on them. I know they've evolved a lot over time. I think we had them at Temple at one point in time, and they were a lot. You know, again, this is 2015, 16, probably we had them. And it's a long, you know, six, seven years ago at this point in time. So, you know, I think they've evolved a lot. Um, And I love it. Jack, you played youth football. You played high school football. You know, do you wish you had something like this while you were playing? Yeah, definitely. Like I was mentioning before, I mean, we've had a lot of like my teammates would go out and get their own like running backs and stuff like that. And they were big for, I mean, these are kids that had a lot of concussions growing up and there was definitely a difference when they started wearing them in practice during two days and stuff that they really didn't have any more head injuries. And you're starting to see a lot more nowadays, even the seven on sevens, the kids, they look like leather helmets almost, but they're just like a guardian cap that you just wear by itself during seven on sevens and just open air stuff. And I think those have been a massive help as well. Cause I mean, you're wearing no pads or anything during that stuff during the springtime. So yeah, I mean, I'm all for this sort of stuff. I definitely think I wish I could have prevented a few concussions during my time for some of these. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I think I've had more in practice than I've had in games. And we practice a lot in this game and I haven't had a ton of concussions in my career, but in this game of football, like I said, it's not, you know, we practice so much and we play 17 times a year. So it's so unique in that aspect where other sports, you know, basketball, you're playing 82 games, hockey, you're playing 82 games. Practice is a different thing. There's a lot of lifting. There's a lot of, you know, if you're a jump shooter, you're shooting, you're shooting foul shots. It's like a lot of technical work. Football is an orchestrated event where you need, 
you know, a lot of humans. That's another thing with the NFL that I, I, I was shocked when I got here is how just the minimum amount of people it takes to run a football team when it comes to players we have. Now they've expanded the practice squads, which is awesome. I think they should continue to do that and get it as close as they can get it to 20 as possible. And not just, hey, you need more players to practice against, yeah, of course. But you you have more volume, you have more numbers, more players get paid. I get that. You know, that's an expense that someone's got to pay for, but it allows, you know, players to continue to grind. It allows some sort of a little bit of a farm system and allows players to be healthier. Um, so, you know, I think the NFL has done a great job, but, you know, over the years. Obviously, we added a game, more risk, but the game has gotten healthier. I always tell that when I talk to parents because parents ask me on oh, my, you know, my little Johnny's not going to play this year and all. And, that, and that's okay. They got to really love football to play it. Um, but I personally think that the game is way, way safer than it's ever been. Not too long ago when I was playing youth football, we had to earn our water breaks, maybe one, two, a practice. Right now, now I have, you know, unlimited water <laughs> opportunities. So um, it's a different, you know, it's just a different game. It's a great game. It's a safe game. Talk about a safe game. We're bringing back some old friends here, not for long media. Wealth Advisory Services. If you don't know them, you should. Check out our friends, wealthadvisoryservices.com, located in Cape May, Jersey, all the way up to Bucks County, Pennsylvania. They really are, you know, have a ton of popularity, a ton of uh, clients in the tri-state area, but they work with people across the country, which I think is fascinating. Paul, Dave, and their team, over 100 years of experience of just independent wealth management from the, you know, beginning investor who doesn't have a ton of money, strategies moving forward to someone who's looking at the back half of maybe retirement, what's ahead, estate planning tax conversations. I've had them all with Paul and their team. I'm very lucky to have them in my corner here. Someone to bounce a lot of things off of, especially with the market the way it is today and how the world of finances is ever changing. Wealth Advisory Services, if you don't know them, you should. If you want to get in contact with them, hit up their website or just reach out to me uh, and our center here at Not For Long Media and we'll put you in touch with Paul, Dave and their team at wealthadvisoryservices.com. Okay. Listen, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to do it. I've been fighting it, but I think it's time to start doing some ratings. Start ranking things. Everybody ranks things. You know, I shy away from it in football because I don't want to rank players across the league. I don't want to rank these different things because I have a lot of great teammates and I think they deserve to be on a lot of lists and I don't want to upset anybody. So when it comes to rankings, it's a little harder for me to sit here and say, hey, I'm going to rank these tight ends or rank these quarterbacks or – because they're great. They create conversation, but I don't think they're all fact, obviously. Right. So um, we are going to be ranking a lot of fun things here, not for long media. And we're going to be doing it across our family, across our platform. So our four active podcasts right now, Bourbon with Friends, Aji's, Breaking Bats, and the Colin Thompson Show. We'll be ranking every week a top five of a fun thing. Um, Justin and Brian do a great job, you know, ranking all these type of things when it comes to baseball. I, I was ready to run a couple off, Justin, but you guys do a ton now. What are some of the fun things you've guys done ranking-wise? I mean, my favorite is top five guys you'd want to have your back during a fight. Uh, <laughs> that that was my favorite. We just picked a combination of the biggest dudes and also ones that are like kind of like, you know, a little unhinged when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, so we did that. We, we Aaron do like, Judge. Aaron yeah. Judge. Stanton, uh, your boy, what's his name? Vogelbach. I had Dan in mind. Yeah. I had Adam Frazier. He's like 5'10, like 190, but like Brian O'Grady. Said, I put yeah. Brian in mind. 
You guys left you Brian want... out of You should have had Brian in your list. Now, I know he's on That's the MLB, but Brian should be on your list. I know Brian. That's Brian and I actually got in a little tussle back in our day in basketball days together. So, yeah, Brian's a tough dude. Who won? We never, nothing. It wasn't like anything big. It was like <laughs> I was a freshman, like sophomore, like trying to be physical. And Brian didn't like that. And I probably was a little out of place, you know. I probably was. We got to talk about it. We'll have it on and talk about it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Brian's a big, I was very scared. But, you know, yeah, Brian's, yeah. Brian had a biceps popping out, you know, of the womb. He's just a, just a jack dude. Um, sorry, Justin, what else are you guys ranking your top five? I mean, we've done like uh, top five non, like some cool nerdy baseball ones, like top five non all stars you'd want to build your team around. Um, Top five starting pitchers you want on a, on the bump during a winner take all game. Just like we we try to vary it a little bit, and then we've even done like baseball movies and like you know some of like stuff around baseball. But it, it's cool that we're expanding that out and doing some more fun stuff uh, with with this show and all the other ones. Yeah, you guys are absolutely killing it. Again, baseball fans out there, Philly fans, your Phillies are hot right now. I'm loving it. NL East is is hot, other than than your Washington Nationals. But neither here nor there. Sorry, Justin. Uh, great trade the other day, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on <laughs> what do you think about the trade Juan Soto I know that we're I know we're dipping into your side of the tracks here a little bit but what do you think about that uh so I went through all the stages of of grief um and now I think I'm just at acceptance at this point like he he turned down 440 million dollars from the Nationals and with the ownership situation being kind of up in the air and them not being sure like who's going to own the team next year um if he wasn't going to take 440 I don't know if they really wanted to go over that. So, and personally, I just don't think any player is worth half a billion dollars. Um, I'd much rather have, it's like what the Nationals did when they didn't sign Harper. They went out and they got Patrick Corbin. They got all these other guys with the same exact money. So I'm more along the lines of that mindset. Uh, the, the five prospects and Luke Voigt they got back are, are all very, very good. So, um, you know, it's, it may seem a little lopsided now, but give it three or four years and then the Nats will be back. 2025 yeah, World Series champions. I'll say this. I just love people with strategies, right? Everyone wants so do you lose them. Yes, detrimental. Yes, there's no salary cap. I get it. But they have a strategy. I wish the Flyers had one. Tottenham, big win the other day, baby. They have a strategy, right? We had Nicky Pumpkin on last week. Hope you guys enjoyed that. He talked a lot about the Premier League and the different things that come with that. But if you have a strategy like, okay, listen, we're going to get rid of our, you know, the best player in baseball, one of the best players in baseball. We're going to get a ransom back. And restart our franchise, take the 550, divvy it up, sign some new players at an affordable rate that are still all-stars. And they end up winning it that year when they traded for Harper, like you said. So, Or when they traded or didn't re-sign Harper, I should yep. say. Um, the Phillies did, which has been great. He's been a great Philly. Obviously, he's hurt. Um, but, yeah, Phillies are going to be scary when he gets back. And I think he will come back. Uh, I think he will. So that's neither here nor there. Okay, folks, back to your regular scheduled pro- programming. We talked a little baseball. We talked a little Hotspur Premier League. Again, if you're a Premier League fan listening to this and you didn't get the ch- chance to listen to Nick Pumpkin last week, he was unreal. A buddy of mine uh, just absolutely killed it, just breaking down the Premier League. Every team uh, really just did a great job. Okay. This week, we're going to be rating wings. Flavors, you like your wings. How you like your wings done? So, Justin's going to narrate this. Justin, you're going to ask Jack for his top five first and me. All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is this is a big deal. It, when you go out and you get wings with the fellas, uh, you don't want to go get like the lowest on the on the Buffalo Wild Wings wing flavor chart. Like you don't want to be the guy that gets like, like, I don't even know what the lowest would be. You don't, you don't want to be the guy that picks up sweet barbecue. You want to get some wings with some taste, with some, you know, charisma, 
So that's why we're going to go to Jack Connell first for your top five. Give me five, then go up to one. All right. So coming at five is just a traditional dry rub hot wing. So, you know, just a nice little dry rub with a nice fried wing, crispy, not real a lot of sauce to it. Keep your hands clean. That is my fifth. Coming at number four, lemon pepper. Just a nice traditional lemon pepper wing. Again, just keeping it simple, exactly like the dry rub, just crispy on the fryer. I, I, I told you coming in, Colin, this is going to be a little bit controversial. Number three, I have the hot wing. Just traditional, basic, hot, like whatever, like the eight out of ten type hotness scale. Number two, I have garlic parm. Can't go wrong with garlic parm. And number one, I have mild. I'm I'm a mild guy. Again, I'm I'm not traditional with these. I love my all of these go blue cheese, by the way. I am blue cheese ride or die when it comes to my wings. So that is my top five wing flavors. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I believe I'm up here, Justin, since you will be giving yours this week on the Breaking Bats episode. Again, check it out. Uh, Breaking Bats, awesome baseball podcast with Brian O'Grady and Justin Ayers. Okay, so for me, first off, Jack, how do you have hot and mild on the same list? I, I, I'll never understand that. <laughs> You're just feeling spicy that day, and then you go for a hot wing. Uh, so to me, number five, we're going to go with the hot wing. Love a hot wing. Absolutely love it. Again, these top five for me, I'm all in on. Like These are the ones I eat all the time. So let me switch that. I'm going to go five garlic parm. Four hot wing, three barbecue, two teriyaki, and one honey old bay. The best wing I've ever had. So the teriyaki wings at the Sea View Inn in Cape May, New Jersey, which were the bar of the week for us a couple weeks ago, the best in the world. The honey old bay wings, Chop Tank, which is in Baltimore, now in Annapolis unreal check those out so that's my top five that's my top five ja any thoughts i i lean colin on this one uh the old bay wings that he he brought up for as number one like those if you see those on a menu you you get those like i I don't know what it is about them it's just the flavors just go so well together um traditionally i'm not a big like burn your mouth off wing guy I do kind of fall towards the middle of the scale there for looking at the, the flavor chart, but um, you know, mix it up every now and again, M- maybe get something a little hot, but yeah, I, I big old Bay guy. So a little preview of mine this week. I think you're in, I think that's just an Annapolis thing because I would definitely try that. I have just have never heard of a honey old Bay wing before in my life. It oh, sounds really? very good. It's just, this is the, the first time Colin said is the first time I've ever heard of it. So that, that that's gotta be an big Annapolis deal down here. Yeah. type thing. They're, they're, they're a big deal down here. Uh, well, down up there where JA is, but where we live now in Annapolis, Maryland, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Honey Old Bay. Now, I love a dry rub wing too, Jack. Fantastic. I didn't really know how to categorize that. It's still a wing, of course, but it's a hot like Mesquite Mesquite Grill in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Mosquito Grill, unbelievable freaking dry rub wings, like unreal hot. They're they're really good. Yeah. Up for bar, they could be a bar week at one point. Are you guys blue cheese or ranch guys? Blue cheese only. If you're a ranch person, I'm out. Which Jay is a ranch guy, so I'm out on you, Jay. Not a, I'm not a ranch guy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you quick, kind of twitch your face. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. I, if I'm going to use one of those, I guess blue cheese would probably be the one. I don't really use those that often. Okay. I mean, I get it. Listen, I understand the ranch grind. I do. I do. But blue cheese is meant for a wing, right? It's meant for a wing. Now it's a northeast thing, and it's a it's a north thing. There's a lot of ranch in the south. 
which I've come to learn. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Okay. So the bar of the week, boys. We've been bouncing around. We've hit Davis's pub. We've hit Shunk Gully. We've hit Moosehead. We've hit Sea View in. We've hit Hashell Raw Bar. They are for me the top 10. You know, I know it's only five bars, but they're in my top 10, 15 bars that I love to go to. Before we get to that, though, I know there's a lot of people that are looking to go to games as football season starting, preseason games, uh, and also baseball season, playoff seasons right here. You know, it's crazy. It's August, but, you know, two months, boom, here's basketball and, and hockey season right here, too. Um, so make sure you check out our friends over at Seeky, guys. Use promo code Colin Thompson, one word, C-O-L-I-N-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Check us out. Or excuse me, check them out. Hook yourself up. $20 off any ticket order, $50 or more. Promo code Colin Thompson, my name, together, full name. Check it out. Okay, so our bar of a week this week is Bow Campers in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It is right in the Coral Ridge area towards North Fort Lauderdale. Shout out to the Husky family, a buddy of mine uh, in Fort Lauderdale. We went there all the time. So Bow Campers, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's right on the water. It's right on the intercoastal. It's two blocks from the two blocks from the beach, and then it's right on the intercoastal. So it is an unbelievable place. All the boats are going up and down the intercoastal. The bridges are being lifted up for you know the sailboats and for the big yachts that come through. Fort Lauderdale is the yacht capital of the world, so you have all the boats and all the activity with that. TVs, you're not you're not going to get any better than that. They're the greatest TV system ever. It's a five out of five. Beer, four out of five. Service. Four out of five and food and ambiance. It's a five out of five, really good bar food. And the ambiance you're never going to beat because literally you're on the water. Every boat's going by the, you know, it's a really cool place where tourists go to locals go to. Uh, it's just an awesome bar. So boat campers in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, check it out. That's our bar of the week here at the Colin Thompson show. All right, guys. So we got a lot done today. We talked a lot about a little bit about Taylor Heineke preseason update on my end. Uh, we are finishing the Wofford College part of our training camp, and we are uh, we have two more days here, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Excuse me, three more days. We leave Wednesday afternoon. Um, we're back to Charlotte. We have Fan Fest in Charlotte on Thursday, and then we travel Friday, play the Washington Commanders in Washington. That's why we released the Taylor Heineke episode this week. Play them on Saturday. Um, and then on Sunday, back to Charlotte. And then Monday, we fly to New England for joint practices. So that's two Mondays from now. So lots going on. We're in the thick of training camp. Uh, there's plenty of drama starting to happen around the league, as people are seeing. There's going to be plenty more of that coming along. Um, but just an awesome training camp so far. You know, love what our team's doing. You know, lots of fun. Lots of competition in all positions. It's, it's been great. We have a tight-knit team. It's a crazy how the team's changed in just three years. I've been blessed to be here now. It's my third training camp in Carolina. So uh, really excited. And that's kind of the preseason update for me. We talked Guardian Caps. We talked our wings, which is our top five. Looking forward to what yours are going to be tomorrow, Justin, or this week. I'm going to be very critical. And then uh, we hit the bar of the week, which is Bo Campers and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So that does it for me, boys. Anything from you guys here before we wrap up? I think we touched on everything. Again, great conversation on the Guardian Caps, like we mentioned. I think we got a great episode this week with Taylor Heineke. I'm excited to see the reaction to that one, all the social media clips we've been cooking up for that. Guys, if you know sleep better, check out our friends at Psalm Sleep. Promo code Colin. You're getting tickets to a football game, to a baseball game. Promo code Colin Thompson at SeatGeek. Fudge Kitchen, the best. 
fudgekitchens.com, shipping fudges, free treats across the country. And our friends over at Wealth Advisory Services, awesome to have them back. They are the best in the business, and I'm so lucky to have them in my corner, wealthadvisoryservices.com. Guys, we're going to send it over to the Taylor Heineke interview. Taylor, really appreciate you joining us. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Taylor Heineke's in the house, man. Justin Ayers is, is uh, you know, rocking out in the sidecar next to me here. We're, we're cruising through, uh, you know, an interview here with, with Taylor. What's going on, man? Not much. Just got home from a workout. Um, trying to sweat out a little bit of alcohol I had this weekend playing golf. Wow. Yeah. So okay, good. So we're, we're checking in here July 1st. We're off the hot start, and we caught up off air, but we didn't talk about any boozing, which is fantastic uh, that we save it for the authentic part of the show. So I shut it off after July 4th. Um, okay. I think because I usually pr- I give it a good effort from about the end of the season to about July 4th. So I tried to have some sort of discipline here before we go. <laughs> Talk about this golf tournament. Would you would you get into a little golf tournament? Was it like an official thing or was it just like casual? No. So I went back to Virginia Beach. That's where I went to college. And uh, I held like a little had like a yeah, ODU and held like a had like a little seven on seven camp for like some kids, ages, you know, from fifth grade to ninth grade, which was, was a lot of fun. Um met up with some old coaches and then my old head coach from college, Coach Bobby Wilder. Um every time I'm in town, we always play about two or three rounds together. And we, you know, put some good money on there on the tables who wins. And, you know, when you're out there having fun time, there's money on the line. You start boozing a little bit. So uh, the last about two, two, three days, you know, we've been out there getting after it. So I just figured it would be one last little hoorah before camp. Now, are you jumping in the sauna on Monday morning? Oh, uh, yeah. We, yeah. Sauna, long walks down in this Georgia humid heat. You know, I'm, I'm sweating it all out. I absolutely love that. I love that. That's fantastic. I mean, you got all that XFL money, man. So you, you know you, you're putting that all on the line. What, what type of money? What type of money are you putting up? Can you disclose on the show? Yeah, you know what we like to do is. I mean, we play a bunch of different stuff, and I probably can't even tell you it all because he. I mean, he plays golf every day, but we usually like playing putting a hundred on the first nine, a hundred on the back nine, and then a hundred total. So you could have a chance to win three hundred. To you know, two hundred or essentially, you have a chance to win three hundred, one hundred, or cut even. Yep. And then we play a game called Wolf. I don't know if you ever played Wolf. I don't know. No, I have not. But I, I'll say this: there's a bunch of different names for the same game in golf. Yeah. Okay. So, like, essentially, you pick an order for the your your foursome, and say I'm the first guy to go. So I hit a nice shot or any any type of shot, and then let's say you go second. And you hit a bad shot. I'm like, okay, I don't want you to be my partner. I'll wait for the next guy to hit. Oh, I never have. So say the third guy hits a, a good shot. I'm like, okay, now he's my partner. So now we're a team, and it's whoever makes the best score gets gets a dot on the first hole, and the dot is a dollar. So every time you go to the next hole, you can up the dots. So say you're down four dots on hole five, and the dot totals at three. You can say, all right, it's up at the four, and you just keep doing that. So if I if I started the first hole teeing off first and you were second on the second hole, you would tee off first. And it kind of just rotates like that, like a clock. You might have a different team every time you play a different hole. So it's, it's something that you're always playing for something and you can't just like cash it in and like hole 12. I love that. I, I'll admit I have never played it. Yeah. And then if you get a birdie, you get a dot. If you get a par, 
if you and your teammate get a party, it's called a family, you get another dot. So it's like, you know, there's there's always something to, to play for. So the one game I played and Wealth Advisory Services, one of our sponsors here at Not For Long Media, check them out. If you don't know them, you should. WealthAdvisoryServices.com. Paul, who uh, is a founding member and a great friend of the show and my financial advisor, we play a game. He called it just money in the pocket. I forget what it was. And it's great. For a golfer like me who it's really tough to get out, and I'll, I'll, I'll lay down two or three holes where I, I think I could play on the PGA, and then I lay down two or three holes where I lose about 10 balls in two or three holes. You know, so, right, that's like kind of the nature of the beast here. So mm-hmm. when I'm done, you know, maybe a little bit more consistency, but he says, hey, let's play this game. I'm like, all right, cool. So we all take 20 bucks out. You hand it to him. He goes up first. Boom. You put He gets a birdie. He keeps the money. He gets a par. You keep the money. You one putt. You keep the money. You hit it to the sand trap. You hit it out of bounds. You hit it in the water. You got to pass the money to the next guy in the tee off order. Okay. And you just keep rotating. Hole one, you get the money, right? All that stuff where anything where you're playing well, you can earn the money back. So even if you're not in order to get the money and you chip in for birdie, the money goes right back in your pocket. Whoever finishes the 18 or nine holes with the money in the pocket gets the money. That's cool. Okay. So like, but what if like, say you chip in for birdie and someone else one putts? What happens there? Do you split it? I think because you did it first, you have it. So if you're away, essentially, and you – oh, no. The money will go back to the person who birdies last. So Okay. Right. It, it rewards the people that are closer that do better. Yes. Okay. So if I chip in for birdie and someone putts for birdie, yeah, I think it's birdie, not par. Yeah, had to be birdie. Then you get the money right away. So it's a fun game to keep the money rolling. And for guys like me that, like, all right, get frustrated where we literally can't keep score because I'll be like – I'll shoot a birdie and then I'll shoot a snowman. And you're like, I'm not, I'm both my handicap. I can't tell you. Now, do we have a handicap? Are you playing with a handicap? Yeah. So again, so like my handicap's like a nine or 10. So say like someone else is like a 14. Well, he'll get, he'll get four, he'll get four strokes, two on the front, two on the back. And so say like it's a par five and it's one of the handicap holes. If he shoots a five, he really gets a five, four. So it's really a birdie for him. So, so if, if I don't birdie that hole, he wins that. He wins those dots. So it's it's a good way to kind of even out the playing field. Um, you really like playing with with people with over eighteen handicap because they get a you know a stroke on every hole, and you're like, dude, just play good on two holes, and maybe we can get some some. Dots. That's me. We make a ton of money. We would make a fortune. We we wouldn't have to go back to playing the XFL anymore. <laughs> be okay. I think you and I are done with that. There we go. I think I'm done with it. I'm gonna. I'm not wrong with it. Not that I don't want to go back, but I don't know, man, if I have to go back like that anymore, it's a grind. It was a grind. Talk about your experience in the XFL, though, right? You didn't play behind – you played behind Jordan, mm-hmm. and you become an NFL starting quarterback. You win a lot of football games. It's a crazy journey. We've all been there, and there's so much for you and I to kind of go through, and I want to go back to the beginning with you. But touch on the NFL before we get into it because we have a lot of similarities in our career. You said NFL or XFL? XFL, sorry. Yeah. So, XFL. Um I always called it the Juco of the NFL. <laughs> so it's kind of like guys that were in it or like they're good enough to go, but they just, you know, they need that other shot. And, but then you add in some money, um, you'll see a lot of interesting things. So um, the funniest part to me was if you won the game, you come back and there's a bunch of seltzers in the locker room. And, you know, guys would just be getting hammered there in the locker room, which is a lot of fun. Um, I wish the NFL kind of did something like that. Bud Lights. We're sponsored by Bud Light. The league is. And I know. Players are not allowed to work with other with any other 
beer products, as you saw Patrick Mahomes come out with the Coors Light flashlight. Did you see that? No. So Pat Mahomes came out with a Coors Light flashlight because you're not allowed to work with other brands beer. And they sold out of flashlights in a second. I did not know that. Yes, it's fantastic. It was on Twitter probably a couple days ago. I wasn't playing golf. I was not having a good time like you were doing, so I'm just going through Twitter. And I brought it to my attention. So, um, yeah, long story short, need some Bud Light in the locker room. NFL. Want to buy Bud Light? Hey, like the old days. How about a six-pack for the road? You know, like sitting in your locker like it's the 80s in the NHL. Oh, yeah. So, like my buddy uh, Brandon Sheriff, he was the right guard for us last year. Really good player. Um, he would get like 50 bush lights for the, the flights home, man. Like you would have quarterback coaches coming back. You would have, you know, equipment guys coming back. You know, Don't tell anybody out too much, man. Just oh, say there, there was a lot of staff and people coming back. For a <laughs> yes. Yes. Lots of staff, lots of people that you don't see much from up top coming back and uh, having a good time. So um now is he, time, is he greasing a you know giving a 20 to equipment guy that's handling that or is that just something that he's like i'm brandon sheriff i'm walking on with two cases of bush light no he's 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 giving the uh the flight attendant money so while you know we're playing the game they're they're grabbing the beers and getting them cold for when we come back on wow smart so, move. it's really a smart move there so we get on the bus and there's a player i'm not going to say players names but there's a player on after one of our games and he's Man, I don't know if we got to keep if we can legally keep this segment in. Ah, whatever, screw it. No harm, no foul. So, um, you know, they're having a couple beers. I'm like, is that what is that? What is that? Is that a Coors Light? Oh, where'd you get that at? Do you own one? I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. I, you know, I'm a Monday night guy. I like to have a couple beers on Monday night. I yeah. like after the game, I wind it down as much as I can, and then Monday, you know, wings and beers somewhere, or whatever, just get away. Yeah. Um, but. I'm like, where'd you get that from? He said, of another veteran, another team, a tradition that he puts whatever you're liking of beer in your locker after the game. So you come home and it's like you come in after the game and the beers are iced down for you. There we go. Like that is major league. So we played Washington this year and Matt Ioannidis and I are buddies. And I, I, you know, gave a 20 to a member of the staff and said, hey, can you put this in Matt's locker? And I had a couple iced down local Charlotte beers. There we go. A couple Sycamores in there. Shout out to Sycamore. Oh, Sycamore's good. Sycamore Brewing? Sycamore Brewing. Oh, yeah. Matt Eye's like, hey, man, that was first class. I'm like, I just learned from a guy and passed it on. So any of my friends that come to town this year expect that type of, and I, you know, service. And I expect the same thing back. Yeah. So maybe in the preseason game this year, because you came on the podcast, maybe, you know, throw a case in my lock. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, you guys are coming up to us, aren't y'all? We are. And I just moved to Annapolis. I just moved to Annapolis. So it'd be cool to, uh, you know, to get go. back home, get back in the air, and come to FedEx and play you guys. Yeah. Yeah, you might all find yourself with a nice little gift in there. Oh. All right, Justin. We're going to have to hold him accountable to that. What do you think? Taylor, are you still sponsored by Bud Light? I'm not, man. That was only like a six-month deal. I think it ended in March or April. You were but, sponsored uh, by Bud Light? Yeah, man. I got sponsored last year by Bud Light. Can <laughs> you talk us through those details a little bit? You know, I don't need to know. But how does that go down? So... You know, ever since that dive in the pylon, I've always shouted out Heineken because I was just, you know, my last name. I'm like, I'm trying to get this deal. This would be a dream come true. And they were not budging, man. So, like, literally every interview I had, I was calling out Heineken, calling out Heineken. They weren't budging. And so, finally, I was at the podium. I think it was training camp. 
or maybe even it was, it was definitely training camp. And someone was like, we see that you uh, always call out Heineken. Like, have they reached out? Like, I was like, no. He's like, maybe you should reach out Bud Light. Reach out to Bud Light. And I was like, I'll be, I'll love to sign with Bud Light. Literally two hours later, Bud Light sends my agent a, a contract. And I was like, I signed it. So they sent it's me a like, bunch, bunch of stuff, bunch of like, they sent me 10, 12 packs, a huge Bud Light <laughs> Yeti, um, a bunch of apparel. And a nice little penny. So, like, I was like, I'm all in, man. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, you know, play the game. There's certain beers I don't drink, you know, just for how it makes me feel the next day, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be transparent. Bud Light's one of them. But I'll drink <laughs> Bud Light if they sponsor me. Absolutely. So, shout out to Bud Light. Yeah. The taste of the NFL. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the official beer sponsor of Taylor Heineke. Bud Lightiki. But ball. yeah, that was their uh, that was their little campaign for me. Wow, yeah, that's fantastic. Do we know any of those other sponsorships around the league with 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 the boys with anybody? I don't know, man. I I don't know of any uh, any beer ones. It's kind of tough, man. It's tough sledding. NFL players just don't have the viewership of other people. First off, there's so many of us when yeah. it comes to compared to other pro sports, right? So like NBA guys have these huge contracts. Well, there's only seven guys that really end up playing in games, maybe eight. So yeah. There's a ton of us, you know, and it's it's really unique. But I digress. Some great beer talk, some great golf talk, and I'm glad we spent 15 minutes talking about that because that's what really truly matters in this world is beer and golf. Yep. Let's take it back. You're from Georgia. You're, you know, are you the multi-sport athlete guy? You know, talk about your family. Talk about your hometown. Yeah, so, you know, from Atlanta, grew up about 35 minutes northeast of it in a place called Gwinnett County. Um, kind of like Swanee, Norcross, Buford. I don't know if you've heard of those. I have. I trained at Chip Smith coming out. Yep. Yep. Right there in Duluth, huh? Yep. It's yep. great. Chip's a great guy. Their family's fantastic. I love working out there. Yeah. They, they, they bring in a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, see, so yeah, I grew up right on that area and, um, you know, I played baseball, basketball and football growing up. Um, I decided to, to quit basketball in seventh grade when this kid named Saul Nimley, still good friends with him. Um, would just embarrass me during tryouts. And I was like, you know what? This isn't for me, man. Like, I'm, I'm done with this. So I really focused all my attention on baseball and football. Really loved baseball more than football. Um, was really into it. And for some reason, once I got to high school, it, it just went away. And I remember being on the baseball field and football spring practice was going on. And I just always find myself looking over at the football field, like wanting to be on the field instead of on the baseball field. And that's why I made the decision to just really focus on, on football. Um, because I fell in love with the quarterback position, I think one or two years prior to that. I didn't play quarterback until I was in eighth grade. So mm. that's when I really fell in love with the game of football. Um, so yeah, you know, I grew up going to console high school, was an undersized guy. I was five nine, five ten, 170 pounds, and um only got to throw the ball seven, eight times my junior year. We had an all-state running back. And then finally my senior year. We had some good receivers, and our OC was like, hey, we're going to throw the ball 40 times a game. I was like, let's do it. And uh, so we started putting up some good numbers, and I finally got my first offer late my senior year um, from Old Dominion, and I just took it. You know, once you get that first offer late, you're like, you got to take it before someone else does. So, yeah, from there I went to Old Dominion. How does that look? I'm sorry, Jay, I'm jumping in here. How does that work out in the – in the? explain that to our listeners. The You get an offer late. You know, what does that mean, especially for the quarterback position where they're really only offering maybe one or two guys or they're offering their guy? My buddy's a shout out to Matt Johns. He's a quarterback coach at William & Mary. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's like, no, I offer like these two guys. These are my guys. Like explain that to our our, our listeners. You know, so a lot of these coaches now they have like they do all this recruiting and they're like, all right, these are the three guys I love and we want these guys. And you you obviously rank them one, two, three. So you offer the first guy. Hopefully he he commits. And if he's kind of dragging his feet for a certain amount of weeks, you got to move on because you're you're thinking he's just waiting for something better. And you kind of just go from there. You just have kind of a list. Um, you know, and it, the, the crazy part now is the college game is so much different now than it was when we were going to college. Um, you know, the amount of ways you can get video out there. I mean, you just go on huddle and you can see whatever you want. You know, back when I was in high school, and sure as YouTube, we had to make discs and send them out to individually send them out to each coach from college. So I had an envelope, a, a, like a resume. Yep. So we had the USPSs. I'll never forget it. USPS. Yeah, USPS. I had them all over the table. We printed out 30 resumes of like community service, GPA. Like literally my dad's like, we're treating this like a business. I'm like, all right, yep. daddy, here we go. A stack of discs, a resume, a local newspaper article, and like something else. And we sent them yeah. all over. Pick your top 30. We're sending them to 30. That's what it was. Yeah, man. My dad, my dad sent them. I think my dad sent it to over 150 colleges, man. Wow. And then like the summer going into my senior year, I think I went to 20 to 25 summer camps, like Furman, Walford, like everywhere. And none of them would offer. So I was like, damn, this might be my last year playing ball. And uh, luckily <laughs> we threw the ball 40 times a game. I was so going to say, uh, go ahead. wasn't there a game at ODU where you had like 700 passing yards or something? Yeah, I was against New Hampshire my sophomore year. So we're down 24 points within like five minutes in the game. Um, just not a good way to start the game. And I remember our, my offensive coordinator comes up to me. He's like, hey, um, we're going to throw the ball every single play from here on out. And I was like, oh, all right, dude, like, you know, whatever. Sure enough, 79 passes later, you know, we're, we're winning 64 to 61, threw for 730 yards. And it was just a, you know, wild game. But that was like – that was kind of when ODU kind of made a name for itself. Um, ODU, you know, as a as a nineteen year old, when you're on Sports Center top ten, you're like you think you made it, you know. So I'm out at the bar that night, and I kind of <laughs> see yourself up on TV, and like people buying you shots. I was like, oh, this is fucking cool, <laughs> you know. So that's when that was like kind of like my first moment of like, you know, this is this is pretty neat. Damn. So, I mean, you mentioned something earlier. You said that, you know, the offer game coming out of college, it didn't necessarily go your way. You you thought that that might be like your last time playing football. Um, I mean, your career and just everything, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But like, have was did your belief in yourself and what you could do ever waver, even going back to that time or even when you're in the league trying to catch on? I knew I could play. Um, you know, I believed in myself. It was just I had to prove it to other people. And I get it. You know, when you're 5'9", 5'10", 170 pounds, you're not going to have the Georgias. The You're not going to have those those type of schools, the ACC, SEC type of schools. Um, and even then, like you have other quarterbacks at 6'2", 6'3", that might not be as good, but they have the potential to be, you know, become something good. Um, so it was kind of like, yeah, we might take a shot in this, in this on the short guy, but he doesn't really – we've kind of seen his ceiling. Um, I think that's kind of what they were thinking. But, you know, I, I would just – in my mind, I was like, when I get an opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it because I know I can, I can play. 
So you go from ODU, and then when did you realize at ODU, like, oh, you know, I think I can play. I think I can do this league thing. Like, yeah, I know I'm good enough. I know I can spin it, but it's different than spinning in college, and then you go spin in the league. You know, especially from my perspective at a tight end, it's like, okay, like I can block these DNs. I'm more of a blocking guy. Mm-hmm. I can block these guys. You know, I can I can play and block. You know, I think almost anybody in college football, at least I'm going to try my best to. Mm-hmm. But you get to the league, like I went with the Giants, man, my first mini camp when I was with them and my first, excuse me, training camp takes, I got crushed, you know, rookie year, obviously you're just getting, you know, your lunch fed to you every day, you know, take me back and take us back to college. And you're like, you know what I could do, I could do this shit in the league. The first time it ever like kind of creeped in my mind was um, my, my sophomore year was a really good year and I got to win the, the Walter Payton award, which is kind of the equivalent from a Heisman in the FCS. And I kind of looked at the previous winners, and you have Jimmy G, you have Tony Romo, you have guys like that, and you start thinking, okay, um, you know, if they did this and they won this award, um, maybe I can make that next step and, and be successful. So that's when it kind of like crept to my mind that maybe I have a chance, um, but I just knew like that's FCS ball, you know, you got to play against the best of the best to make it. And so the next year we moved up to FBS. Um, it was a little transition year. And then my senior year, we, we were on a full FBS schedule and we went six and six and it was, it was an okay year. Um, and to be quite honest, I didn't know if I was going to get a chance, but, uh, you know, Scott Turner at, um, Minnesota Vikings, he, he, he believed in me. He saw something in me and brought me up to Minnesota. And even then I was still kind of nervous. I didn't know if I was good enough. And I just remember going in that first preseason game and having a pretty good game. And I was like, okay. You know, I can I can do this. This is uh, something I can, you know, kind of strive for, keep getting better, and, and maybe make an impact. Yeah, I want to have Justin tee up some New England questions here because I know you know he 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 brought it up earlier. He said, you know, you saw he kind of went to New England there after Minnesota. But before we get to New England, talk about your time in Minnesota there because you get hurt, you're on the injured off off the field injured reserve list. There's all these new lists. There's all these lists you can't keep track of. And then you're on IR. Then you play. Then you get cut. What, what happened there? Yeah, so rookie year was, you know, I was just back or being like third string, essentially. Um, didn't dress for any games. It was kind of just like those street clothes. You're just collecting money. Uh, you're active. Those, yeah, active beautiful, all year. Beautiful thing, folks. So, again, if we reiterate a lot on this podcast because people don't understand, 46 active members of the 53-man roster play on game day. Yep. The seven of us, like I have been several times, are there in sweats, a hat, traveled with the team, practiced all week, and then got the tap on the shoulder right before the game that, hey, seven of you aren't playing, and this is what Taylor was referencing, essentially. Yep. So, yeah, I got I got to collect a pay, an active paycheck for a whole year, and I just got to learn, which is, which is pretty sweet. Um, but then that offseason, I made a stupid mistake during this time period. Um, I'm not going to get into it. It's a long story, but essentially I tried, I was locked out of my house and it was late at night (laughs) and I had some French, there's a French door, like there's some French doors in the back. And I thought I could just kind of kick the wood in and it would open. My foot missed the wood and went straight through a window and it just sliced up my ankle and so the call to that my agent, the call to my coaches after that was just brutal. Um, fortunately, they kept me. Um, you know, a lot of people that do that, you're probably getting cut. 
Um, so, you know, I was fortunate enough for that. And, um, you know, from there, they kept me on the NFI. I think it's NFI, non-football injury. Yeah. Um, I was on there for the first eight weeks. And the moment I could get activated off that was week nine, and they did it. So it's like they still believed in me. They, they believed I could bring something. So it was like Scott and Norv trying to really, really help me stay in that league. They believed in me. And, again, you know, it, it all paid off five, six years later when, you know, I came up to Washington for that Tampa game. There's something I wanted to ask both of you guys, because I think, I think you bring unique perspective is just like, as like undrafted guys who like early on in your NFL career, you're trying to catch on with teams. Is it hard to like try to not do too much in those times where you have the feelings of maybe like I have to be on my A game at all times. I have to bring it every practice. I have to, you know, be liked around my teammates. Was that, was that hard to try to not fall into that? Yeah, especially like it, as a rookie, you you're always trying to do the right thing. You're always you're working. You're almost working too hard. Um, and I remember Sean Hill uh, was a very seasoned vet. I think it was his 14th year in the league, my rookie year. And if it wasn't for him, um, I think I would have gone crazy. Um, you know, he was always like, you know, as a rookie, calling that you do well at practice. Even if you make a good block, your coach is getting after you as a rookie. Like you did something wrong. Um, so I remember like completing six balls in a row at practice one time. Like I'm on a roll, but every, after every completion, North Turner was like yelling at me. I'm like, man, am I going crazy? Like I'm, I thought I was doing well. So I'll get down on myself and Sean would just come up and be like, listen, man, like, this is how it is. It's your rookie. You just got to deal with it, but you're doing great. Just calm down. So, you know, when he said that I could really kind of, you know, step back, kind of just believe in myself and, you know, be comfortable with how I was doing. Obviously, I knew I knew when I was doing bad. But at the end of the day, football, if you complete the ball and move the chains, you know, that's that's the name of the game. So, um, you know, I, I think Norv was just giving me a, a hard time and, you know, it's picking on the rookie. To answer your question, Justin, and it's a great one. I mean, I was stressed. I was so stressed. I really think the stress led to me having an emergency appendectomy. So I, what? yes. So this is, this is what happened, man. So I've had some bad injury luck over the years with some weird things. Obviously in Florida, the people that listen to the show know I broke my right foot. My, my first year of Florida when I was a Gator twice within six months, the same bone Jones fracture, very popular. I know you know about it. And then navicular stress fracture on the left side, which is like the Joel and beat injury. So Florida's like, Hey man, this is too much with the feet. You're done. Get out of the program pretty much. You play for your school. It's called medically disqualification. Pay for your school, but you got to stop playing football. Your career's over. You got to be able to walk around with your kids. All this hunky dory, you know, kind of bullshit. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I'm done. I'm going to play in the NFL. I've been set. To, I've been my goals since I'm 12 years old. Like, I'm going to go play in the league. Fast forward, my dream comes true. I'm playing with the New York Giants. My favorite player when I was a kid was Jeremy Shockey. He wore number 80. I walk in my locker room in the Giants. He was all over my vision board. Like I had a vision board when I was a kid. And I've talked about this on the show before. Like I visioned everything. He was on my vision board, 80. I had a poster of him. Like every day I walked by on the way to school. I'm like, I got, I can do this. I can do this. Walking with the Giants, boom, 80's hanging in my locker. Didn't pick the number. Didn't say a word. I wore 86 in college. Victor Cruz just left the team. And they gave me the number. People heckled the shit out of me for that too, by the way. I'm like, I didn't pick it. They gave it to me. You know, long story short though, Taylor, I play the first preseason game against Pittsburgh. I play five snaps, maybe, of a two-minute no-huddle period. Now we're down like two or three scores. It didn't matter. 
but still talk about the worst situation for me. I'm very comfortable blocking. I've become a, you know, I've been a comfortable route runner. just not been my role in teams. I'm a comfortable route runner, but at the time I was definitely not comfortable in an NFL game running routes. I'm running go balls down the middle of the field, like four straight plays against Steelers and then whatever the, the buzzer sounds. I spend the night in New York city with my family and friends. We get dinner, right? We go back. I'm about to go back the next day for treatment, the whole nine, like at noon after breakfast. Like, it's going to be a normal off day. It's going to be great. Not so fast. Wake up in the morning, my stomach's ready to explode. Like, literally rolling around on the ground. And past forward, I find myself in the ER. They're slicing me open, and I'm getting my appendix ripped out. Oh, my God. So I had an emergency epidectomy, and they cut me. They said, oh, you'll be fine. You know, take 48 hours. Take two weeks. Like, hang in the hotel. Like, walk around. Be around the team. You'll be fine. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to miss a bulk of training camp. I'm nervous as shit. Like sweating bullets. Like every day it was like stressful. Like our Jason Pierre, Paul, Olivier Vernon. Okay. Here's this guy. Like it was a lot. Right. And then you're learning a playbook, which is currently our playbook here with coach McAdoo, you know, which is, it's it's a big boy playbook. There's some in the NFL that are not, there's some that are, Mm -hmm. this is a big boy playbook and I love it. Uh, It'll be good for us this year in Carolina, but yeah, man, I was so stressed. And uh, I think it led to the emergency appendectomy, honestly. Probably. And, you know, my like, we, like, I don't think it has anything to correlate to it, but uh, my body was going through some stuff, man. I was struggling to just stay on. And the pressure, Justin, to ask your question and perform, I just answered that in about six minutes when I should have answered it in one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of pressure to perform, especially these undrafted guys. You know, they drafted Evan Ingram in the first round that year, and I'm the undrafted tight end. I mean, that, one they're paying one. I don't know, 20 million guaranteed. They're paying one. I, my sign bonus was $4,500. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it's a struggle. It's a grind, Justin, to answer your question. The tough part, too, is like you only get maybe six to eight reps in practice. That's it. And you're six like, to eight reps in a three hour practice. Everyone's like, oh, that's nice. No, no. I mean, that's your that's your interview. That's your interview for the And you got to make make the most of it. Don't, don't mess up and make a play. It's just like, you know, every rep is is gold when you're when you're undrafted guy and you're trying to make the team. And the hardest part too is there could be an undrafted, you know, or or whatever, fourth round pick offensive lineman for for me, in my perspective, there's a tight end, there's a tackle next to me, and we're working a double team to the Sam linebacker. We're working a triple block. He may go the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He may jump off sides. You may jump off side. Like you may lose those reps, especially with the yep. third group. You know, a quarterback can get in there and say the wrong cadence. Yep. We could all go, but the center may not snap the ball. Like, you know, that stuff all happens. You know, no one really sees that because you see the starting product on the field mostly. And some of the preseason games, you see get a whiff of that stuff. But, no, it's a great question, Justin. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a grind, just like uh, the grind that my man had in New England there for a little bit too. I know you want to ask him about New England. I did, yeah. I, I know your time there was really brief. I think it was in 2017. But, like, what did you take away or, or anything that, like, has stuck with you throughout the years from your time in New England? Oh man, um, the way they did things up there, how efficient they were with their time. Like there wasn't a wasted minute in there. Um, you know, whether it's from going straight from meetings to, Hey, you got five minutes to get a snack and we're going upstairs to do a walkthrough and you better not be late. And right when that five minute thing hit, if you're late, you're getting in trouble, but we're going. So it was like, there was no wasted time. And then, the workouts there were probably the hardest workouts I've ever had in the NFL. Like I remember the first day I got there, you know, mind you, it was practice squad workouts. So those are a little tougher than, you know, active guys, but it's a Saturday 
and you know that's like the big workout day for practice squad guys and we go out there and i want to say we run like 10 hills we do all this agility stuff we're, we're doing stuff for about an hour and then we run 20 striders the the shortest one being 70 yards the longest one being 170 yards and you, it was timed so then we get done with that and i'm dying and he's like all right I, th- I think we're done he's like all right now we're going inside we're doing heavy squats like eight sets of six heavy squats. I'm just like, I guess this is why New England's New England, you know. And Tuesdays, the quarterbacks would come in, have their long quarterback meetings. Uh, Coach Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, you know, those guys, it was super cool. But they would have a, you know, a scouting report that was about 10 pages long. And on those pages would be every single person on that defense, whether he was a starter, practice squad, does not matter. And it had information that, you didn't even think you knew. Did he have siblings? Where did he go to school? What did he major in? Does he have a two-parent household? Just everything. Then we would watch about 10 to 15 clips on every single one of those people, like good clips and bad clips. Like, hey, obviously he has a good swim move, this, this, and that. But, you know, late in the games he gets tired and he'll show us clips of that. So those meetings took about four to five hours. Um and it was just that was the New England way, man. That's 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 the 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 debt they got to, to to be who they were. That's incredible. What what was your first interaction with Tom Brady like? Oh, it's actually a funny story. Um, so the first day, I was gonna be. I I told myself I'm gonna be the first one to the facility. Like I want to make a good impression. So I get to the facility at like five thirty in the morning, and I go straight to the quarterback room and start studying the playbook. And I walk in and Tom Brady's already in there with his feet up, coffee in hand, watching film. I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, Tom's have probably seen hundreds of quarterbacks coming in and out of that, you know, that, you know, that program. So he turns around, he looks at me in a very like confused look. Like, he's like, Who are you? And I was like, Tom, my name's Taylor Heineke. I'm the new practice squad quarterback. We shook hands. He's like, take a seat, let's watch some film. So I just remember sitting in front of him, started watching film with him at 5.30 in the morning. It was it was a pretty cool experience. He just, you know, started asking me questions, where are you from, stuff like that. And I'm like, after the fact, I was like, I really just had a, you know, full-on conversation with with the GOAT um, at 5.30 in the morning watching film on my first day at New England. It was, it was a really cool experience. Yeah, he's an absolute legend. He's an Angels wonder. He's the greatest of all time. You know, every, of course, in our division, you know, hey, he's not coming back. This is great. And then he comes right back. So it changes the whole thing. Uh, Changes the whole NFL. I mean, the guy's just unreal. Uh, All right. So keep moving through your career here. You got, you know, New England, then you're in Houston, practice squad there. You know, you got promoted, you played active. Then all of a sudden you find yourself in Carolina and then you find yourself in the XFL. Can you talk through Houston, Carolina, and then how, how like, you know, you find yourself in the XFL because, you know, we all have our story. Uh, of you know the rise to the top and then in the fall to like what am i doing next yeah so um i spent a couple weeks at home after you know new england and then uh, i go to houston i was on practice squad there and about two or three games in when i was still on practice squad uh tom savage had a very bad concussion in the end zone uh, where he was almost like having a seizure and um they kept him in like the the people up top didn't see it so he kept on playing. And the next week they're like, listen, this guy can't, this guy can't play. Um, so they 
put TJ Yates was starting, starting, and then they bumped me up to be the backup. Well, I don't know if it was the first game that was active or maybe the second game. We were playing on Christmas against the Steelers, and TJ Yates goes down with a concussion. So next thing you know, I'm I'm playing my first NFL snaps in a regular game on Christmas national television against the Steelers. And, you know, just, you know, weeks prior, I was at home not playing ball. So it was it was a crazy experience. I got, you know, I completed my first pass to Will Fuller. And not only eight plays later, I, I got a concussion. So TJ Yates went back in and um, there, that was that. So when time for OTAs came the next year, they cut me right the day before OTAs. Um, Carolina claimed me. Norvin Scott Turner were there. Got came there, had a great preseason, uh, earned the backup role to Cam Newton. Um, so that was that was a really fun year. Um, you know, we were rolling that year. We were, I think we were six and zero, maybe five and zero, and then we lost. I don't know how many straight. Um, got my first start that year, week sixteen, against Atlanta Falcons. Um, first drive was an eighteen play drive, ten minutes and a touchdown. And then from there, went all downhill, about through three picks, tore my tricep right before halftime. Um, just not a, not a good way. So after that game, was that was my last game playing in Carolina. And I got cut the next offseason. Um, and then from there, you know, I was at home doing nothing. And it just didn't so, sit well with me that the last game I played was torn tricep, three picks. So, you know, XFL comes. Colin, I'm like, hey, you know what? I wasn't comfortable with how football ended for me. I'm going to go play in the XFL. And I ended up, you know, backing up Jordan Tayama for, what, four four or five weeks? I, I just want to go back to that one start in Carolina because I went back and was watching the game film of that. You, you wrecked your non-throwing elbow in that game, right? It Was was that pretty early on that you, you got hurt? It was right before halftime. I tried to brace a fall. All the ligaments in my elbow popped. And they didn't know this at first, but they had a partially torn tricep. And you, and you still gutted it out, and you played the entire game. I think you threw like fifty-five passes. Like, I mean, that's kind of like a like a theme though for you, right? Because it's like the toughness and the grittiness. I feel like you bring as a passer. Like, where where do you think that came from? It came from Brett Favre. Um, when I was born, my my dad's from Wisconsin, so when I was born, I was automatically a cheesehead. And I remember he he him forcing me to watch Packer games with him every Sunday, and the the passion and the fun that. Brett play with and how how tough he was. Um, I loved watching it. It was it was almost addicting just to keep watching him play. Um, so I think I got that from him. My dad, he was hard on me and it, it made me it made me tough and gritty. But again, you know, I was always the, the smaller, shorter guy, I and mean, you have to be that way to, to get where you want to be. So um, it's kind of been like a you know a life theme for me to get where I get what I want, and um, I still carry that to this day. You. Play with a ton of grit, you know. You have play with a ton of grit. Excuse me. You're fun to watch. You you have that electric, you know, personality with the play. I, it's really Brett Favre's a great, you know, comparison to kind of the way you play, the way you run around. I got to see you play in person. I you know, always admired you from afar. But you you know you've kind of set your roots here in Washington the last couple of years. Like you're like you have a home now in the mm-hmm. league. Now it may not be where you want it to be. I think all of us in this league, the majority of us, it's probably not what we want when it comes to the opportunity and the role and whatever it may be. But, you know, uh, you know, Coach Rivera brings you in. Again, Norvin Scott Turner there. That's like the common thread of, of, of your career. 
Uh, can you talk about Washington? Yeah, so um, got the call up to be honestly the COVID quarterback. That's the only reason they brought me up. I don't remember if you remember uh, remember Denver Broncos. Their whole quarterback room got COVID, and they and wouldn't they, let that. They let that running back play quarterback, but they they and they wouldn't let him bring somebody on. It was this whole thing, right? Yeah, so they, they had to play a receiver at quarterback that game. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He got they got yeah. smoked. It was like a whole story. They ended up getting smoked. Yeah. Yeah. So Washington was in a playoff push, and they're like, "This can't happen to us. We got to bring someone in." Um. So they're like, "Who can we bring in that knows the playbook and can maybe win us a game or two? And Scott was like, "Bring Taylor up." So, you know, during COVID, like those meet like people, all the meetings were through Zoom. So everyone's at home in Zoom except for the quarterbacks. We we're all in the team room. So all of the three quarterbacks that were there were sitting up front and they were like, Taylor, your ass is going to be in the very back. Like, don't even get near anyone. Like, don't even give like the, that COVID deals. Like it was huge. So I was probably 20 yards away from everybody, whether it was at practice or at meetings. And um, sure enough, a hen- injury here, injury there. Uh, and then I'm, I'm thrust into that playoff game against Tom Brady. <laughs> the COVID year. Okay. And I'll make this crystal clear. COVID was horrible. It did a lot of bit, bit damage across our world, across our country. Horrible things. We lost family members, friends. It's a horrible thing. I said it. I want to make that clear. Move past that. It did a lot of good for a lot of people like myself and Taylor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you. You just pretty much said it. Yep. I, I point blank period came out of the XFL. Coach Rule gave me a chance. He said, I like your film in the XFL. We're going to sign you here. We didn't have any preseason games. They had to keep the whole roster intact. That's this point blank period. They didn't have a choice. You have to have all these practice squad guys. They made your practice squads bigger. They gave people more chances. We didn't have OTAs that year. I'm not an underwear Olympics OTAs guy. I could compete and make plays and do all that, but I've been a pads guy. I'm a pads guy. So, like, we had padded practices. We didn't have preseason games. We didn't have OTAs. So, it was controlled environments and that I was doing, that I thrived at, and I, you know, took advantage of it, and that's why I'm still here in Carolina. But, it's crazy the impact of the COVID is had on the NFL. But more importantly, that people don't understand is the shuffling and the economics behind it, how, how it helped individuals like me and Taylor. I think it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is wild. It was almost like the biggest curse, but also the biggest gift. Like, you know, so many people were hurting from it, but, um, you know, you, I got the, the good end of it. You know, it was just, you know, something that happened and, you kind of get just run with it. Yeah. No, it's 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 been a quite it's been quite the journey. J, uh, Jay, do you have anything else for him when it, uh, when it comes to Washington stuff? Well, I'm just curious. Like, how did your life change after that playoff game? Obviously, you know, we, we saw that the die for the pylon. You, you you know become this national guy. Like, how did how did your day to day life change after that one game? Oh, huge. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I didn't really recognize the fact that ODU was right down the road from Washington, and that there's a lot of ODU fans were also Washington fans. So I hate bringing up social media because I honestly hate social media, but um, going into that game, I had 24,000 followers. I get back to my locker, I check it. I think I have 120,000 <laughs> somewhere around the ranch. I gained like a hundred thousand followers in three hours. It was shout just, out to Bud Light. Yeah. Shout out to Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was wild. So, you know, this whole story, you know, throughout my life, I'm sure a lot of people saw that around the D.C. area, um, a lot of ODU fans around there, and it kind of spread quickly like wildfire. 
And now, like, when you go out, you kind of just get noticed a lot. When before, I can kind of go out and just be, you know, just one of the guys, you know, and not not be bothered and stuff. So um, it, it's it's drastically changed. Um, but at the same time, you get a lot of cool opportunities. Like, I got to talk to Pat McAfee on his show. I got to, you know, meet Brett Favre. I got to, you know, do a lot of things I never thought I would be able to do. So, um, no, it definitely changed my life forever. And, again, it, it bought me a, a two-year contract. And um, hopefully I can play for, you know, three, four more. So um, it, it definitely changed my life. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for that. You got to make sure you check the boxes here. You shouted out McAfee. You did not shout out Bussin' with the boys. Shout out to Bussin' with oh, the boys. Oh, yeah. Will and Taylor, shout out. How what was that experience like, man? That was really cool. Um, not going to lie, I was nervous, man. I was like, these guys are super cool. I don't want to, you know. You just want to be uh, friends. Can we be friends? Yeah. Huh? Can we be friends? Yeah. Can we just be friends? Can yeah. you like me? Can you please like me? I like <laughs> you. I like your show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you walk in, that bus is like, that bus is cool, man. And they just keep adding stuff to the little the garage they got. And, um, uh, they have a good thing going on. I think they're like the number one sports podcast on like Spotify or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is they, huge. Them, I mean, Barstool, right, dominates that whole space between yeah. Chickarts and part of my take and Bustling with the Boys. And Bustling with the Boys really has taken off like this kind of this summer. The JJ Reddick interview was incredible. Your interview was great. I listened to parts of it. I hate to listen to interviews of our guests. It sounds opposite of what people think. J.A. is the prep guy. I try to be natural, try to be more conversation, have reactionary and and get to know you from afar because I follow you and, you know, I see what you do. But I don't like my biggest pet peeve, too, is like I don't want to ask you a question, the same question that they asked you by on purpose. You know, yeah, like, like, you, like you already know the answer. Like that's how yeah. I, sometimes I hate like reporters when they do that. Yeah. Like. What do you thought? Yeah. Two weeks prior, they'll ask me a question. And then two weeks later, they'll ask me the same like the dude in the room. Like you heard my answer. Like, why are you asking? They just like want to get you on film so they can put it on their on their news station or something like that. It's just like, you know. But so that's I, why I that's how I operate with the podcast. Like, I just try to like rip it up, have a good time, have some casual conversation, and uh, you know, let it go. And then I got pros like Justin that come on here and and you know, ask the real questions. The real Big J journalist. My man Justin over here looks like he needs to be on ESPN. He's got all the things behind him. He's got the professional questions going. What do you have behind you, Justin? Can you take us through it? Do you need a Taylor uh, Heineke sign picture back there? I would love one. I, I got the HTTR on today. Just I for see. This. You might get canceled for that one, dude. I know. Well, <laughs> yeah. We won't say what it stands for. Hey, we listen. Should. You know, Taylor signed that big contract. You know, maybe you could sign your T-shirt or something. You know, you think, yeah, I got you. Bud Light's paying him enough. And I'll say this. I'll get baked to sign something for you, too, Justin. And boom, you're all your guys. Just all Ooh. my heroes, Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a big J journalist question for you though. Okay. Uh, what's your mindset going into camp this year? They they obviously added to the quarterback room. What, what where are you at right now? You know what? Like a lot of people ask that, and they don't. A lot of people don't remember the fact that it, I was in the same position I was last year. Um, they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, so you kind of knew you're going to be the backup. Um, so I, I kind of go in the same thing this year. Now we did draft Sam Howell and. He's a really good player. Um, he could sling the rock. So um, again, but but my my vision and my thought process is going into this is like, hey, I'm going to you know compete like I'm QB one. I'm going to prepare like I'm QB one. Um, but I'm there to like back up Carson. Like that's you know that's that's my job. Um, 
And if something else happens, I'll, I'll roll with it. Um, but for me, my thought process is I'm backing up Carson, and I'm going to do that you know, to the best of my ability. Do you feel more comfortable knowing that, like, if your role this year ends up being kind of like that, you know, the relief quarterback, the injury replacement guy, do you feel more comfortable knowing that that's kind of been your role the last couple of years and you've already kind of done that? Yeah, again, you know, it's I feel like I've kind of seen all spectrums of, you know, what you could be, you know, third string, backup, starting. So I feel like, you know, I'm very comfortable with the situation. And, um, you know, I actually find a lot of joy in, you know, Carson's new to this offense and it's kind of a difficult offense to learn. Um, you know, the vernacular is very different. You know, the reads are a little bit different than what he's used to. So I find a lot of joy in helping him kind of understand it and, and kind of dummy it down for him. So, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it, but also at the same time, if something happens after play, that's cool too. Um, yeah, I, I'm just happy to be on the team, honestly, because two years ago I thought I was never playing again. I hear you on that, man. I think yeah. sometimes I try to, re- uh, you know, check my family in on that or check my friends in on that. And, you know, what's it like, you know, what's it looking like? What's it looking like? I've been on a 53 man roster two years in a row. Yeah. I made my first roster out of training camp this past year, the year before I didn't make the roster out of training camp in Carolina. Yeah. I made, I made it like four days later when they shuffle guys around. Right. And then I popped on mm-hmm. like, what's it like business is booming, you know, like there's not a bad day in the NFL. Yeah. Really? I mean, you may have a bad day at work, but it's you look down at that shield. I still look down and be like, holy shit, I'm in this league. Do you, do you have that moment too? Absolutely. You know, there's there's some times where you're beating yourself up or you have a bad practice and you're just getting so angry and you're just like, man, like I've dreamed of being here. Um, try to have fun with it. You know, football's supposed to be fun. And uh, so when I, I feel like when I, when I do that, when I take that step back, that's when I start playing better. Um, I don't take it like life or death. Um, I start playing a lot better. So, um, you know, I'm glad you said that because, you know, there's there's going to be times this camp where things aren't rolling well or you're thinking, you know, the whole world's against you. And you just kind of take a step back. Like, you know what? I'm playing the game of football. You know, you just happen to be getting paid for it. No doubt. I think the one thing, too, and we'll hit you with some rapid questions here from J.A. Um, and then we'll, we'll let you go. We know you got to finish your recovery process from a long weekend and get ready for your, <laughs> your death. I think the one thing that's really took me back this year, and I try not to have any preconceived notions about any player, but it's hard with Cam Newton because Cam Newton is Superman. He's pulverizing. He's one of the greatest football players to ever touch this earth. Mm -hmm. He's huge. He can throw. He can run. He's, you know, a lot of different things. And you see him on the field, and you're like, well, you know, the antics and all that stuff, and that bothers people. But when I got to be in the locker room with him and he introduced himself to me the first day, walking by him, you know, we were washing our hands or whatever. And then I got to sit in some of his meetings and I was like, man, this guy's got it going on. Like Mm -hmm. this guy, there's no mistake. This guy was 10 years in a row dominant. You know, he'll have be a chance to make the hall of fame. He'll be in the ring of honor here in Carolina, probably have his number retired at some point here. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. guy was a legend, super bowl, MVP, the league dominated league for years. I was blown away by Cam. I tell people that all the time because then people want to people ask, right? They ask you too, probably. Hey, what's Cam Newton like? Hey, what's Carson Wentz like? What's Ron Rivera like? We all get that and we all have an honest answer. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time, it's all really great answers. There's very few guys that I play with that are asses. You know, mm-hmm. there's one per team or per couple teams, but 
what was Cam Newton like to you? Because to me, I thought he was smart, articulate. I thought people learned from him. Our quarterbacks loved working with him. What do you think of him? I th- you hit it on the nail, man. Like you, you hear all this talk, you know, whether it's through the media or from other people about what they don't like about him. And you're like, man, you don't understand how hard this guy works and how much he prepares day in and day out. Um, and not just that, he's a great dude. He likes to have fun in the locker room. He's like one of those locker room guys that you need. Um, so he brings everything to the table and, you know, we still keep in touch here and there. Um, but you know, I love cam. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to work with. Um, there was never a dull moment with him. You know, we're in the quarterback room watching. The cool thing is we could watch film and get stuff done, but at the same time we could take a break and kind of kick it and talk, you know, talk about stuff. Um, so I, yeah, I love cam, you know, he was, he was a good dude. Is he still, is he still on the roster? He is not on the roster in Carolina, no, not as of now. And we're full. We're getting pretty full in that room, as you know. Yeah, obviously traded for Baker, Sam Darnold, uh, Matt Corral, and PJ Walker. So it's a pretty good room. You know, it's a great room. Oh yeah, that's a that's a busy room right there. It's a busy room. You know, I'm 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 excited. I said it before to work with all these guys. Like, and there's like obviously an elephant in the room. Like, you just traded for a quarterback. We have a quarterback. We have multiple quarterbacks that can play and win football games in this league. So it's fun. It's going to be great. This will be a hard roster to make. You know, Coach Rule said it in uh, camp. He said it to the media, I believe, too. So I, I say it. It's going to be a hard roster to make. There's a lot of really good players. Speaking of hard rosters to make, look at the stash. Look at the hair. Look at the <laughs> the visor from back in the back. The original Fudge Kitchen. FudgeKitchens.com. Shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Shout out to our sponsor, Jack. I hear you have a Carson Wentz question. Is this <laughs> going to be a Philly? No. Nick Foles or Carson Wentz? Let's take it to the phones. Who do you think, folks? Is that going to be this question? I promise you, it will be a good. It's it's a positive question. So I mean, it seems like you and Carson have gotten close. You talked a lot of positive things about him. What would you say your favorite thing is about Carson, either on or off the field, so far from meeting him? To be quite honest, man. Um... He got me back into my faith, to be quite honest. Um, I was kind of astray from it a little bit, and he's a big Christian guy. And uh, there would be times where we would just start talking about stuff, and he really got me to dive back into my, in the Bible. So, you know, I can't thank him enough for that. And uh, I would say that's the biggest thing that he's brought to me so far. Um, but, you know, we, we go out and golf a lot together. Um you know, he's, he's a good better. dude. He's a great. He's got a great family. He's got two beautiful young young girls, and um, you know he's always in a good mood, man. He's always happy to be there, and he's always working hard. So it's 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 almost contagious to other people to you know put a smile on your face and work hard. You know you know how that is. It's just it's hard to be around people that are always frowning or or you know so and so called bitching all the time. It's just you know you want good people around you, and uh, he's one of those guys. Who's better on the links between you two? You know what? I tell you what, he's uh, I might have him by a stroke or two, but this is the first year he's really played, and he's already shooting like 83, 84. Of course, he is. These quarterbacks, <laughs> man, These quarterbacks. it's bizarre. Quarterbacks, kickers, yeah. Well, you know what? The specialists they have an advantage. I mean, you're at the facility for what two hours and then oh. what? You're going to the golf course. Like, I think honestly. <laughs> Let me touch on first your, your your comment. Thank you for sharing that one. Great question, Jack, too. And three, I know Carson was huge with that stuff. Uh, you know, the man of faith with the Eagles Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm friends with Trey Burton, and Trey's a man of faith as well. So I, I, I talked about Trey, love Carson, and they had a Nick Foles and 
Matthews and, and kind of their kind of group there. There was a tight, you know, Hicks. They had a tight group there through those years in Philly. Um, but these quarterbacks, man, first off, the specialist, I'm coming back in my next life. I back up my backup long snapper, or whatever. I've been a you know rotational snapper every once in a while. I'm coming back as a just a beast punter. Yeah. That's it. Not a kicker, beast punter. You know, I don't gotta make the big kicks. You gotta make big kicks, but you know, it's a little different world. You can be kind of punter, you can chill out a little bit, drop bombs. Is that what you like to come? If you couldn't come back as a quarterback, what position are you coming back as, Taylor? Uh in the football world? Sure. Am I still like six foot two fifteen, or can I pick uh, six you can eight? Pick your like, weight. Oh, okay. I want to be six seven, two eighty five, run a four five, and play DN. Oh, yeah, if you can nice. get one sack a game, you're getting paid big money. And like, I feel like I mean, obviously you have to think at DN, but at the same time. If you don't think and you just play really fast and kill, like just run into people, you're going to make something good happen. You're probably going to face a tight end who's 6'4, 255 and have way less athleticism as you. Yeah, just cause mayhem. Just like, you know, (laughs) you're looking at him. Um, No, that's it's spot on. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a good one. I think the one question I always want to ask people too is, and I've been dialing in, I haven't asked our folks in a while, like the people that have come on the pod, but I've had it written down. It's like, this is the question I should ask everybody before they leave. And then we'll send it to Jay for, for rapid fire. And then we'll get you out of here. If you had to pick a sport to be a minor league athlete in, what is it? A sport to be a minor league athlete. Could be baseball, golf. Baseball, hockey, no way. Baseball. Football. He did it. Baseball, no. Football, no. Hockey, no. I mean, maybe basketball. It's a tough question. Soccer, I don't know. I think like golf is golf is tough enough because you're paying for your travel, you're paying for everything, and you got that's a lot of pressure. How about Um, you, Jay? What are you playing if you had to play minor league? I'm doing minor league hockey and getting to fist fights every day. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, is nasty. Yeah, half off beers. Yeah, like biz half off beers, and you're playing at like you know uh, you know Hershey, PA, big game in Hershey. You know, like. Danbury Trashers, yeah. And you know oh. all the fans there are just crazy hockey fans. Crazy. Yeah. Jay, lay some of all these right. quick hitters on this man. Put yes. this guy on the hot seat. Ask him all the Big J journalism questions. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm putting my non-Big J journalism degree on the line here. Um, have you ever played one of Tressway's board games before? I haven't, but he does play a lot of trivia. Well, he has like his own like series of uh, Colin. Did you know about this? The, their punter. He has like what's your bid and a whole bunch of really really cool. Uh, this is my games. point. We're talking about punters and it has nothing to do with punting. These guys live a life, and he's Dude. good. I mean, he's good. He deserves it, right? He's. I mean, he's one of thirty-two punters in the league. He's a stud, but I don't know anything about it, Justin. No, this dude. This dude made his own board game and was like selling it. Like he made a lot of money off it. That was like a really cool board game. My head's been in the sand. Yeah. Yeah, look <laughs> it up, man. All right. We got to buy try it out here. Not for long. Maybe he could sponsor us. We could, you know, sell his board game across <laughs> the yeah. It looks cool. Uh what was the like first big purchase you made for yourself after your contract in DC? I know this is gonna sound really stupid, but I already had a house, I already had my truck, and I've always wanted one of those big ass love sack beanie. Bean bags. So I spent like, you know, 
however much it was and got one of those things. I just, after a long day of working out, after I shower, I just jump on that thing and pass out. That's fantastic. I always pass that store in the mall and I'm like, damn, if I could only, yeah. yeah. In another yeah. life, I'll be able to afford one. Two year deal, you know, four point something. And then, uh, you know, half it goes back to taxes in the great state of uh, Virginia, probably. Yep. And, and then uh, you can buy yourself a beanbag, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Something to aspire to. Uh, besides the playoff game, what's been your favorite NFL game you've ever played in? I mean, there, there were some good ones last year. Um, I mean, the second game of the season, Thursday night football, back against the, the Giants. That was that was a great game. Um, going back home to Atlanta. Um, so my, my sister and my brother-in-law could be there and, and see that we came back two minute offense to win that one. That was, that was wild. Um, but probably beating Brady last year. Um, that was awesome. I mean, the, the 10 and a half minute drive to end the game to kind of close them out. Um, I mean, that's, that's something that many, not many people can, can say. So I'll probably take that one. I remember watching that tape. We played the Bucks the next week. Oh, that's like the la- that's like the worst time to play them. <laughs> I said, you know, no, 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 no. That's that, 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 that. Oh no, man! You guys play. You guys really had a great game. That was at FedEx, right? I remember from my yeah, going back in my tur- you know my film study here. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough day when uh, you guys blew them out. Yeah, beat them. Yeah. Did Brady remember you from your time up there, uh, either in the playoff game or that game? I don't think so. No. <laughs> How many quarterbacks do you think have come through? And well, that's, that's what I'm saying. There's he's like a memorable Colorado. guy. Yeah. He's probably seen at least 60 guys. Maybe more. Maybe yeah. more. I mean, that's like back in the day, too. They used to have quarterback tryouts all the time. I bet they were Bill's probably shuffling them. Coach Belichick, I could play for him one day. Sorry, Coach Belichick. Mr. Like, Coach Belichick. Their thing, their thing in New England, too, is like they bring guys in practice squad just for three weeks to see what you got, get film on you, and they get you out of there. So it's like, they're always rotating people in there. It's big business, man. Yeah, it's insane. All right, I have two more. If they were to make a movie about your life, kind of like what they did for Kurt Warner, who would you want to play you? That dude that plays for Kingsman. Oh, okay. The English dude. I know I'm not English, but like, I think he's he's a good actor. Taron Ter- Edgerton. I, I guess that's his yeah. Taron Edgerton. Gary. He plays Gary in the show. Yeah, I could see that. Or maybe Taylor Lautner. I don't know. He could, he could probably do that. Is that the uh... guy from Twilight? He's a good yeah. Guy. He's a solid looking guy. It's something to think just, about. I, I guess I've just been told that I have like some kind of look resemblance to that dude. I don't, I don't see it, but I was like, you know what? Just cool. two good looking guys, man. It's hard to hide it. I appreciate that. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have All right, last one. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh, that's tough. Um, man, I can't even. He hears it when he leaves the bars at 2 a.m. Don't stop believing. <laughs> that along with all the women singing it, you know, it's like stuck in your brain. There you go, Jay. There's your big journal answer right there. there you bar go. light, women singing, <laughs> leaving the bar. It's not a bad, it's not a bad answer. No. It's pretty good life. Taylor, I really appreciate you joining us, man. This will come out uh, the week we play you guys too. So, um, <laughs> oh no, yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's gonna. Oh, Justin, I don't. I like to keep the secrets here because then it it, it leads to you know more drama. 
And yeah. uh, that's what we got here. A big, you know, ton of drama here at the Colin Thompson Show and Not For Law Media. Taylor Heineke, good luck to Caesar, brother. Keep grinding. I uh, just moved to the DMV area, so we'll have to grab a beer. Perfect. Absolutely. We'll look, look for your locker after the game, and you might oh. have a little something in there. We're gonna hold him accountable to that, folks. And I can't wait to take a picture of nothing in my locker after the game. And I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna beat him to it. No, I appreciate that. All right, fellas, thanks for having me. Thank you, buddy. Focus on another thing.